You're tuning in to the Raised by Rentals program. This podcast will contain strong language and spoilers for decades-old media properties. Everybody, this is the podcast where we examine pop culture franchises of the VHS era and improv new stories straight off the noodle like an intergalactic poodle eating the flying spaghetti monsters meatball eyeballs to imagine how we might improve our favorite movies, TV, and games. I'm Josh. I'm Mike. <laughs> and we were raised by rentals. Mike, it's beginning to look a lot like Halloween. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I- I'm sorry, the spaghetti monster threw me. <laughs> wasn't expecting that well that's good i literally just made that up like we make up a lot of shit on this show and it worked out pretty well (laughs) i would say so (laughs) well it fits right in with uh with the spooky season spooky season theme that we've had going around here since the last episode technically but you know what we're probably going to do it for the rest of the year so i'm pretty excited about it you know it's uh as we record this it's still september but like we said last time, September's almost October, and October means Halloween. And there's a Friday the 13th this year, so I'm super excited about that. I stand by my assessment that all of September is Halloween Eve. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and by that logic, all of October is just Halloween every yep. day, all day. <laughs> exactly. Nice. Uh, so uh, last night, Tegan had a friend over, and they began the annual binge watch of the Friday the 13th series. I I wasn't able, they wouldn't let me sit in with them because you know teenagers didn't want to hang out with their lame ass dad. <laughs> <laughs> Jerks. <laughs> I want to have fun too. I want to watch Jason movies. Come on guys. <laughs> oh, come yeah. on. <laughs> oh come on. Yeah, so they they decided to start with part 6, Jason Lives, which is my favorite movie, so I can't complain. But at the same time, her friend, Tegan's friend, had never seen any of them before, and it left me wondering, is part six the best place to start, or is it, like, way too far into the franchise and it's confusing? I I, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, like, that may might be the best place to start if, with the older movies, like, pre-remake. I mean, what do you think? I feel like it is, only because, like, you know, what Jason became pop culturally is like this unstoppable you know unkillable juggernaut and that's really the film that kicks that off everything prior to that it's like yeah he's badass yeah he's strong like part four he gets his fucking hand split and barely flinches like you know so i I feel like you know the other movies have their place obviously but part six feels like that's the pop culture version of jason that everybody knows you know yeah and i think i came to the same conclusion i was like yeah you know He pops up right in the very first scene, so you don't have to wait around for half the movie while you see POV shots from the woods. You know, like he's just there there immediately looking like a badass coming out of the grave. He's already the like unkillable, undead, you know, force of nature. Uh, He kills somebody in that very first scene. You get to see him in daylight and then Mm -hmm. they, they, they explain the whole backstory almost as if they have to like remind the audience, you know, and I'm like, man, I was kind of like listening from down the, the stairs thinking this is actually a pretty genius idea. Like start with six because, you know, the first five all have an issue, right? Like Jason's not in the first one. He doesn't wear the mask in the second one, even though it has a great like recap scene. Uh, I love that campfire at the beginning. Um, yeah. You know, part, 
part three, uh, I know a lot of people love that one, like you, but it has some problems. You know, the 3D effects. And, oh, yeah. Like, the, the story is a little bit weird, even though he gets the mask finally. Part four is probably the best choice before mm-hmm. six. But again, you kind of have to just, like, figure out some of the backstory as you go, because it jumps right into, like, Jason was just here killing people. What happened to him? You know? And, and, and uh, he's really not in it a lot. Like, he's he's yeah. barely in that movie. It's, yeah. it's It's mostly just the third act. Yeah, that's true. And it's a lot it's a lot of character focus on characters that you never really see again, you know, except for Tommy. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, it's it's nice to have an origin story for Tommy and then who comes back in part six. But again, you don't really need that because they kind of explain it in the dialogue in like the truck on the way to the graveyard at the beginning of six. And of course, you know, five is the imposter, Jason. So really not a good place to start, I think, by any stretch of the imagination. So, yeah, I was like, I think that probably was the best choice. So good on Tegan for, you know. She basically was just like, look, I told my friend about, like, you know, Jason's mom and the drowning and all that. And, like, we're just going to watch it. I'm like, okay. And I think it works pretty cool. Yeah. No, I feel and I feel like uh, I know you and I have talked about this uh, over the years that, like, a lot of kids started with part six. Um, you know, like in our age bracket, a lot of people started with part six because, again, by that point, like, that was when Jason had become part of the pop culture language. And uh, even though we all knew of Jason, it wasn't until part six that he was everywhere. It's kind of like with with Freddy Krueger, like, you know, yeah, part one and part two were really popular. But by the time part three came around, Freddy was everywhere. (laughs) I mean, dude had his own one nine hundred number at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And actually, now that you mentioned, I think part six probably was my first one, too. I remember the first time I saw part six and I'm pretty sure that was the first time I had seen a Jason movie. But, yeah, like you you said, I I knew about them both. I remember the first time I ever saw Freddy Krueger's name spelled was on the a toilet stall in my elementary school when I was in the second grade. I remember going in. It's kind of to, terrifying. It is. I remember going in to use the toilet and like I, you know, I never want to sit down at school, but like sometimes you, you know, you have to. Yep. And yeah, somebody had drawn the the, the knife glove with Freddy Krueger. Like that's all it said was the glove and then it had his name. And I also, re- that's when I first realized, and this is probably why the memory stuck in my brain, that his last name was Krueger and not cougar like the big cat, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Because as a kid, you just hear people talk about it, and it's like, oh, this guy with like a claw hand, like he's like Freddy Cougar, right? Like he's got mm-hmm. like cat claws, right? That's that's what it is, right, guys? Right, guys? I'm cool, right? <laughs> Side note on that: the, the the one time that really sticks out in my memory that I did that exact thing, where I I really got the name wrong, was with Beavis and Butthead. When I I kept hearing people talk about it, and I was like, what is what is this? And I was like, is one of the characters names Butthead? Like, do I have that right? And like, so I was I was convinced that was wrong. <laughs> and I was like, Beavis and the and the, the other guy, uh, uh Butt. <laughs> they were like, yeah, it's Butthead. And I'm like, sure. Oh, okay, I had it wrong. <laughs> Oh, God. Something like that kind of happened to me back in – it was 2010. I went to the Small Press Expo in Maryland, and I've been wanting to go to that independent comic book convention forever. And I went by myself. I didn't know anybody there, but I was just trying to just kind of be open to, like, I'll just chat with whoever. And there were some some professionals tabling there who were really down to just have a, have a conversation, just chat. And, you know, it wasn't like I was pretending we were buddies all of a sudden, but it was a way to sort of pass the time. And then I'd see him in the bar later and maybe chat for a few minutes. But at one point, there was this group of people sitting around in the hotel bar. Uh, that I had seen like on the floor earlier, obviously they had come together and they were drinking and having fun and passing around uh, notebooks, like, you know, sharing sketches with each other. 
and I just sat down near them, having my beer, reading some, reading a comic I brought with me. And at one point, you know, they kind of invited me like, hey, you know, come check this out. Come look at these sketches. And it was a combination of professionals who had drawn in their sketchbooks and then they had their own sketches in there too. And they started doing this jam sketch where somebody drew out like you know, eight panels on a grid and then drew a couple of characters and then handed it over. The next guy drew a couple of characters and handed it. And by the time it got to me, I was like, oh, that's cool. Like they're going to include me. I'll draw. And I didn't know who the characters were on the page. And I was super confused because <laughs> I wasn't sure if this was something that they had made up original or if it was characters I just didn't recognize. And so I asked the guy, I was like, oh, who's this? And he's like, oh, that's Finn from Adventure Time. And I'm like, fuck, like I'd heard of Adventure Time, but at that point I'd never actually watched it, you know? So oh, I, had, yep. I had no idea who the characters were. So I was like, all right, cool. So I just drew the next panel trying to like do the next part of the comic. And I had no idea what the characters looked like. So I'm just trying to copy the other panels. And the, it was also this weird, like surrealist storyline that had begun before I got it. Like the characters were melting like a Salvador Dali painting and so I just tried to go along with it and the guy who got the notebook after me I kind of feel like it gave me a weird look of like what the fuck did this guy do to screw up our comic because I had no idea what I was doing <laughs> oh man that sounds horrifying like I, I would be like ah, I don't know what to do I know I was like oops so yeah I definitely sat with someone else at the bar the next night you know after the con was over like sorry guys so out there someone someone has a jam comic of Adventure Time they were like I don't know some fucking stranger fucked it up on panel six just forget about it (laughs) anyway oh that's too funny so speaking of jamming on something together Mike let's say you you and I make up a story eh eh hey uh, that sounds fun to me All right, so enough preamble. Let's dive into what we're here for, which is to improv new stories to imagine how we might improve our favorite movies, TV, and games. Except this time, we're not going to improve or retell or continue any existing movie, TV, or game property. We're going to make up one completely on our own. Um, We mentioned last episode that we wanted to do this, and it goes back to just recently – We did our Late Night Double Feature Picture Show, where we did that two-part special with Hot Garbage and The Venga Bus of Death. (laughs) And those were really fun. And it was really just an excuse for us to just make up our own story without being beholden to an existing movie or franchise or characters. And while those are always fun improv challenges, I mean, it's literally the reason why we do this show at all. But sometimes it's fun to just kind of shake off those limitations and do whatever we want. And we kind of eased into it with those two because they're at least sort of based on existing pop culture things. You know, the the Venga Bust of Death being based on that ridiculous song and uh, Hot Garbage, which was, you know, kind of based on the Count Creepy Head Saturday Morning Monster Mash podcast and just, you know, pop culture, sort of 80s, you know, low budget movies in general. Um, so we thought, hey, let's do it again because it was a ton of fun. And originally, we hadn't planned on coming back to it so soon. We were going to go back to our normal programming. But like, you know what? Fuck it. It's spooky season. We have a couple of Hollywood franchise Halloween-themed episodes planned. So why not just do a couple just for us, right? Have a little fun with it. Because we talked about how we got some great feedback in those episodes. But even just amongst you and me, they're two of the best episodes I think that we've done in a long time, just in terms yeah. of how much fun I had. Oh, absolutely. No, I, I definitely... I think I, that that was the most fun I've had doing the show. And, I, and I, don't get me wrong, I enjoy 
doing this show pretty much every episode. Um, there's only been like once or twice where I was just not in the right headspace when we recorded. <laughs> and, you know, that was that was on me. But as far as like the uh, topics and everything, I always have a blast. But that was the most fun I had had since the Mousetrap episode. And the reason that the Mousetrap episode was so fucking great was that I didn't know what was coming next. You know, and mm-hmm. which kind of leads me to this, because I don't really know what you're going to propose. Um, you did kind of throw a couple story ideas my way in our in our chat. And I, I know what this one's called. And I know a very loose basis of like, like one of the themes, but I don't really know anything else about. So I'm kind of going in really blind on this. I have a, a blank sheet of paper and a pen in front of me so I can take notes for names. But I, I don't know what to expect. And I am excited as hell. Awesome. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that. I have also had some episodes we recorded where I found myself kind of tuning out halfway through and I'm like, no shit, like get your head in the game. Come on, like focus We're recording, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> and it's not necessarily because they were bad episodes or bad topics, but sometimes we get lost in the spiral of like, oh, fuck, I don't know what to do next. Like, you know, the improv is like, you know, spinning out of control and I'm like <laughs> sort of like losing the, the end game here. But sometimes it's just that we kind of already know what the episode would look like when we started and then it becomes less fun because it's like yeah this is just a little bit of paint by numbers like getting to the yeah. end that we kind of already figured out so this one is totally totally original the only caveat here is that i wanted it to fit into spooky season so it had to have some kind of a dark element but other than that this is a completely original idea uh, not based on anything and this episode right now we're going to do my idea next episode you bring your idea and i'll come to the table just as empty and (laughs) we'll do it over again and very much like with our last double feature i'd love to hear the feedback you know from you the listeners to tell us what you thought of the two ideas and you know which one you like better because it's not really a competition but i still want to win (laughs) oh absolutely and 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 i and i you know i will definitely concede i do believe as far as our feedback goes while both uh hot garbage and the vangabus of death got a ton of great feedback we both heard lots of good things i think the consensus was that hot garbage was the winner of the two um which i'm totally fine with because like i said i want to see both of them as movies so i was excited hell as yeah. hell about both so yeah no i will say uh, you you definitely won last round so uh us. we will see what happens with <laughs> this one <laughs> well sweet thanks for saying so but uh, I, yeah i've listened to them both recently and yeah it's i can't i can't decide so um I might take I might take the nod by a nose, but other than that, like it doesn't it, it doesn't matter. So here's my idea. Because it's Halloween season, we had to do something fun. Go back to the well of like traditional horror ideas, you know, vampires, monsters, Frankenstein's. Uh, so I thought it'd be fun to do a zombie story. And we've done some zombie stories on here before, most recently with Sam when we did our take on a sequel to Return of the Living Dead in the mall. But yes. So I've had this idea for a long time, and it's just sort of like an elevator pitch idea for a story that I thought would be fun, like a, hey, wouldn't it be cool if kind of idea, but I never did anything with it uh, because I didn't know how to make it work as a story. And I just kind of sat on it like, yeah, that's a fun concept for a zombie story, but I, I, I don't know if I'll ever write that or turn it into something. And then when you and I were talking about coming up with ideas, something clicked in my head and I thought, oh, this is perfect. I know the perfect way to take this idea and then make it something that you specifically and I collaborating on will be a more fun story than anything that I probably would have written on my own. So that, okay. <laughs> that being said, so the, the title of this is going to be Look Alive. And 
you know, you've heard that phrase before. People say things like look alive people. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it basically means like get busy, chop, chop, hurry up, let's go, you know, don't laze around. Um, But I heard someone say that, and I don't know where, years ago, this is in a notebook of mine from (laughs) randomly scribbled down from years ago, where I heard somebody say it and I thought, wouldn't it be funny if the title Look Alive literally meant appear to not be dead, you know, (laughs) like to (laughs) to pass pass yourself off as living. And I thought, man, it would be really funny if there was a story where there was a zombie or a group of zombies who had enough intelligence to realize that if the humans around them realized that they were zombies, that they would shoot him in the head like every other zombie around here. And so instead they have to pretend to be living humans and fit in so that they can, you know, quote unquote, survive. Uh, okay okay i like this i like where this is going (laughs) but i'm sure you can see right off the bat where it's like yeah that's a cool concept but like then what you know how do you write a story from like a zombie's perspective are they intelligent enough to narrate a story in the first person is it just going to be a whole lot of like shambling around you know it's like i don't like and where does that go beyond oh hey guys like don't get caught but then like where's the arc you know where's the where's the emotional story arc for characters who are literally dead and i could never figure it out but this is when it clicked so here's what we do and when since we have this concept of a zombie or zombies trying to quote unquote survive or like reverse survive what if this were a survival horror video game oh Okay. Where the main character or characters, because it could be a co-op game, where you're a zombie and you're placed into an environment where like a town or some limited space where there are humans and you're, you as a character, as a player, have to survive as a zombie, you know, eating whatever zombies eat and hiding wherever zombies hide while not being discovered as a zombie to fit in with these humans, you know, long enough for X event to happen, you know, like you have, obviously there has to be some kind of an ending to it, but I think it would be fun because then instead of having to come up with some kind of a story arc, it would just be what kind of like fun side adventures could we get into where you're a zombie, you know, it's sort of like a weekend at Bernie's, you know? <laughs> Nice. <laughs> um, okay. Anyway, so what what do you think so far? I mean, just just listening to that pitch, like what comes to mind? I I really like the concept. I'm I'm trying to think of like, you know, if we went if we went the route of like proposing it as a game, um, I would be focused mostly on mechanics. But like as far as like story wise, I like the idea of somebody who is a you know is a zombie and they have to pretend they're not. So the the thing that I immediately went to when you brought that up is like a high school comedy. Like that was the first thing that came to mind is that, you know, like let's have like a group of pranksters, you know, they they do something, uh, do something silly like, you know, hey, let's break into the old lab, you know, something, something dumb. You know, they break in. Somebody gets infected with with zombie virus, however that's going to happen, whether it be like they get bit by a test subject, they you know, get a face full of some kind of chemical, something happens, they get sick, they realize they're turning into a zombie, they're having cravings for flesh, they're looking a little pale and down. How would that person, you know, make themselves, quote unquote, look alive? So I'm just imagining like this character who's like, kind of like, uh, you know, just your average punk, like your average jerk, 
suddenly going like all goth and spooky and everyone's like what's up with him and like you know like some kids are noticing him like like maybe the girl that never gave him the time of day is like ooh, he's dark and creepy you know like all of a sudden there's like people changing around him and he the whole time he's slowly decaying and has to like hide it <laughs> yeah exactly oh i love that too uh i love the comedy of that but again the the problem that i had and, and maybe we can figure it out together is I didn't know where to go from there. It reminds me a lot of the movie, and we mentioned it when we had Sam on a couple episodes ago, the movie My Boyfriend's Back, you know? Where, oh, yeah, shit. I forgot about yeah. that. Okay, yep. Yeah, where it's the same kind of thing. It's like a high school comedy where this guy, for whatever reason, he's dead. And he just, he's just trying to go to high school, man, you know? And, and yeah, and, and it becomes a sort of a allegory for, like, racism or, you know, maybe, you know, homophobia because everyone else at the school, they're like, you know, you don't belong here, zombie boy, you know, or right. whatever. Um, but in that one, they all know he's a zombie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know exactly, but uh, I'm not saying we you know, we can't do it that way. But it, I kind of like the I, and I love the vibe of that movie. So yeah, I'm totally down for that kind of idea. Um, right. I, I just like this idea of it being like a video game because I felt like instead of having to worry about okay, what's the story arc of like our zombie and you know he's got a something has to go bad. He's got to hit rock bottom. He's got to like find, you know, the, the solution to his problem and like get the girl, make the friends, whatever. Like, you mm -hmm. know, we could do all of that or we can come up with like fun little scenarios of like, you know, how does a zombie who's hiding out in a school or a town, how does he find brains to eat, you know, or whatever? Like, how does he survive? You know, is there more than one? Like, is, maybe there's a group of them and it's, uh, it's one of those games where, you know, you, you go online with your little crew and there's three or four of you together and you all have to kind of like work together to like, you know, okay, we all got to go out and, you know, get supplies but don't get caught. And if one person gets caught, then, you know, the other people might get caught too. And so you kind of have to like work together. And I, the more I thought about those sorts of scenarios, the more excited I got about like going back and revisiting this idea. You, you know what the, the idea of it being a game, what it's kind of reminding me of is there is an indie game uh, called Party Hard. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard about this, but it, it's like a, it's a no. top down kind of three quarters view uh, the basic premise is is really hilarious. Like you're just some dude trying to sleep, and there's a party next door that won't shut up. So you get pissed okay. off and decide to go kill the party. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And the whole point of the game is like you have to like sneak around the game. Um, like you see all the different rooms, and like you have to kind of like get people alone. Okay. And then murder them, and and like in some cases you have to hide the bodies because like if someone finds the bodies they'll call the cops. Mm -hmm. Um, if someone sees you they'll call the cops. Uh, so like you have to you have to hide in like little little areas like there's little alcoves where you can hide from the cops and like escape them and stuff like that. But it's ridiculously addictive, and the whole point is just getting people away from the rest of the crowd to kill them. Okay. And, yeah. You know, that that's kind of that was the first thing that went to my mind is like, you know, how would how would you play this as a game? And that would be you'd have to, like, lure people away for one reason or another and then, like, kill them and dispose of the evidence. <laughs> OK, so let's let's kind of combine these together then, because there's no reason why we can't, you know, make this our own thing. And and I don't really play games, so you're going to have to be the expert when it comes to that. Like, I'm not really a video <laughs> gamer. So you said, what if it's a high school comedy? And I love the idea of a character who decides to, like, have a goth phase because it's, like, easier to hide. Like, you know, yeah. put on, like, white makeup and shit. And, you know, look, suddenly, like, you're into the misfits and you got to wear, you know, white and black, you know, <laughs> clown makeup or whatever. Um, right. I really like that idea. 
But I also really like this idea of doing this video game because while I was really trying not to think too far ahead, at the same time, it's hard to not be like, oh, I could do this and oh, I could do that, you know. And I was just thinking of all these kind of like fun scenarios and I have a couple in mind, but also you could have like different endings based on like how good of a job you did of like, you know, staying, you know, under the radar. Um, right. So I'm going to propose two things. I'm going to propose number one, we have we have we do a video game. And it basically comes in like three sections. It's almost like three, not separate games, but there's like three endings, right? In, in in sequence. So the first part of the game, you play by yourself and we do exactly that. You're a high school student and you can pick, you know, what your your gender and appearance and whatever is going to be. You're going to customize your character. And yeah, something something happens in the lab of this high school that turns you into a zombie. And then this gas or chemical or whatever it is escapes out into the atmosphere, goes up in the sky like in uh, Return of the Living Dead. There's a storm and you start hearing like, you know, news accounts of, you know, the living dead rising from the graves and all this. And so, but you as the main character, you were, you and maybe a group of people in your school were at the epicenter of it. And for some reason you like maintain your intelligence. Um, Right. And so, and so suddenly now it's like, you're just trying to go to high school while on the news, everyone's afraid of like zombies. Everyone's, everyone's, you know, kind of on the lookout on like high, high alert high suspicion and so the first part of the game is just you by yourself like learning the mechanics of how this world works you go to school you got to like find ways to eat brains whether that's other Mm -hmm. students if you want to risk trying to kill a student and then like can you get away with it can you lure them away can you hide the evidence can you distract their friends you know like what happens when their parents come to school looking for them maybe that's like a sub quest where it's like you have to you know forge a note to the you know like a suicide note or something to the parents like something you know, you know what i mean it's like there's this <laughs> right. whole scenario of like how do you or maybe you choose not to kill and you instead you're like catching rats or maybe those specimens they have in formaldehyde in the science lab are edible i don't know you'll find out you know <laughs> and okay um, so it's like you're going to kind of like learn the mechanics of the world, what you can eat, what you can't eat, what you can survive on. Like maybe human brains are like, boom, full health. But maybe like a rat brain is like you get one bar and like you got to eat a bunch of rats or whatever. And it's like you have to kind of make your choices. And then you sort of win the first part of the game if you manage to like graduate and nobody caught you, <laughs> you know. Um <laughs> But then after graduation, it's like, oh, no, like the zombie horde from out of town is coming. The, you know, the, the zombie plague that spread all around our little suburban town. Now the zombie plague is coming. So now the whole everyone in town is locking down. They're putting up barbed wire, putting up a wall. And suddenly it's like being in The Walking Dead where every little suburban town in Georgia became like a fortress, you know. And so you're like, shit. I, I like I can't even leave town now because they locked the whole place down. You know they're on the lookout for zombies, so now I got to stay here long enough to figure out what my next step is. You know, do I leave or do I survive here? Do I find others like me? And this is what I thought it could be a cool like multi-part game because maybe if you graduate to chapter two maybe this is when it becomes a co-op like you can't join co-op until you've graduated high school and then if you do now you know the mechanics enough where you can like find other people in town who are like you and kind of like team up and help each other out right okay all right all right so give me you give me a couple ideas here um okay so we would how about this like i I immediately you made me think of the movie fido 
where there are these uh, walled off towns and then there's the deadlands between the towns where it's like there's the zombie virus. Mm-hmm. They're out like out in the wilds. But in town, it's this happy suburban like but well watched over town. Like there's like mm-hmm. military characters all over the place. So what yep. if it's something like that? Like we, the, the opening like cinematic of the game would show like some kind of you know government experiment gone awry like there's a a, a chernobyl like event so wherever this this you know power plant or or laboratory or whatever like you know cdc style lab let's say where it you know something goes wrong this virus escapes and it infects you know tons of people and then we we cut to like you know, 20 years later, you know, the zombie virus is mostly contained and humanity survives in, you know, walled off cities. But they're still like they're still cities like everyone is living just fine. You know, it's it's the small wilderness areas outside that have the zombies in it. But you you as the character, like somehow you get infected, whether it be like through, you know, maybe, maybe a, a zombie bitch at the gate or some something happens where you get infected and you have to hide it because they'd throw you out into the wilderness if you don't and you'll be out there with the zombies. So like you're you know, you're you're still smart enough, like you still have your humanity enough. And maybe that's the part of the, the game is like you have to fight with, you know, going over to full zombie or like trying to stay human. Like, you're you're trying to, like, keep your humanity. And, like, the more hungry you get, the more zombified you get. You know, that kind of a thing. So you have to, like, make the choice of, like, do I continue to eat these rats and dogs and other animals and shit to try to, like, just keep it at bay? Or do I, like, go and kill a person and risk getting caught to, like, keep the zombieism at bay for a longer period of time? Oh, oh, I fucking love that. I love that. I got the light bulbs. The light bulbs are happening. Um... (laughs) Yeah, so it could, it could be something as simple as what if in this world, if you eat zombie flesh, you become like an intelligent zombie. You know what I mean? It's like uh, because we have to have other zombies who are intelligent besides yourself if we want to have mm-hmm. like a co-op feature, which I think would be fun. But yeah. Anyway, so what if it's like, you know, everyone knows this. It's like, don't ever, you know, eat the dead, you know, kind of a thing. And maybe there's even like signs up, you know, like, uh, you know, be careful, you know, don't eat like, uh, you know, cheap hamburgers from the food truck because you never know what's in there, you know, or, you know, right. or there's people who are racist who are like, don't eat Chinese food. It's not that it's cats. It's like it's zombies, you know, and it's right. <laughs> ter- terrible shit like that. Right. But what if that's what it is, is, is. You start the game after the cinematic, and it's this thing where something happens where you accidentally eat it or get it in your mouth. Like somebody shot a zombie near like the chain link fence at the end of town while you were like making out with you know Sally from next door or like lookout lane or whatever. And like the, some of the zombie meat like goes in your mouth, and it's like oh god, you know. And then uh, you think everything's gonna be fine, but you're you know of course you're like oh no I ate zombie what's gonna happen to me? And then you wake up the next day and you're like oh shit my skin's turning green I don't have a pulse oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think this is fun, right? Again, we can kind of use the high school as like the tutorial stage of the game. It's the great plateau or you know whatever right. of the game where yeah you, you it's a short part of the game where you learn how things work and you have to learn all that stuff. I love the humanity meter and I think it'd be cool too. Let's add a let's add a second meter either in the first part or in, when we move to the second part. So there should be a humanity meter that's like you maintaining your humanness versus turning into like a mindless shambling zombie, which obviously you don't want. 
and then there should there should be a suspicion meter where it's like you know what uh, defcon level is the town at right now are they super on high alert for zombies or is it real chill because they haven't had an attack in a long time and the higher the suspicion meter the harder it is for you to get around and convince people uh, because of course everyone's you know like giving you the side eye whereas if the mm-hmm. suspicion meter is low you might get away with you know oh what happened to my neighbor i don't know he didn't come home after work you know you might get away with shit like that but if the mm-hmm. suspicion meter is high like don't you know murder your neighbors because people are gonna send out the search party and then you're fucked right so this i think that would be a really cool way of doing it or you're you're monitoring yourself at the same time kind of monitoring the the atmosphere of the town around you well yeah i mean this this would absolutely be a stealth game this would this would fall in line yes. with games like um you know uh destroy all humans or manhunt uh you know metal gear solid those types of games where you know you have to sneak around because people will you know suspect you or people will ca- attack you or kill you or whatever yes. um and on all of those games they have ways around that and then they have ways to embrace the the chaos so what what about something like like yeah you have to you know you do have to watch your humanity meter and all that but what if on the other side if you don't watch it like if you let it go full Mm -hmm. zombie because you're one of the smart zombies what if one of the benefits to letting the chaos meter like go that far like the the zombie meter is you can control dumb zombies so you can okay you, you could basically fucking say fuck it i'm gonna attack the town (laughs) <laughs> and bring like open the gates and let in a bunch of zombies. But the problem is then you're going to have a really oh. hard time getting away with that. It'll be like in Grand Theft Auto where you go on a killing spree and then you get like the five stars with the cops and you have mm. to work really fucking hard to get away at that point. You know, like it's super hard to hide at that point. Oh, OK. No, that's perfect. It's absolutely perfect with what I was going to say in a minute because I mentioned just a little while ago that I thought the game should have three sections, right? The high school mm-hmm. section and then like you graduate and it becomes if a optional co-op thing and now you're just the town is walled off and you're trying to survive. But I was thinking like where are you going to go from there? Like do you want to escape town? But then where would you go? Like how do you win? And I thought, because it's a zombie game, everybody wants the zombies to win, right? Everybody right. does. And every zombie story ever, it's more fun when the when all of the main characters get eaten alive. I mean, come on, we we've all seen The Walking Dead. Every time they introduce a new character, it's like, oh, I wonder how many episodes this guy's gonna make, you know? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so I was thinking it would be fun is if the third act is the zombie horde from the wilderness has reached the town, and now the town is completely under siege. So you start off with just high school, everything's perfect except for you, and then the second part of the game is now the suspicion meter basically exists now because it's like, oh no, like the hordes are on the move, everybody watch out, lock down town, and you're like, fuck, like I was going to try to get out of here, hit the road, and now I can't leave because, you know, they're checking everybody, so now I got to survive in town, maybe I'll see if I can find some friends, you know, in the same predicament as me, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the th- and then the third part is the horde arrives, and so now what do you do? So, you know, I'm just spitballing here, but if we get that got that far where a zombie horde arrived and you're a zombie who's been trying to you know look alive this whole time, mm-hmm. I think you'd have a couple of options, and maybe these are like different ways to end the game. Like I said before, we could have like different endings. So maybe it's if the zombie horde gets in to town, it's like woohoo. You get to survive, so that's probably good for you. Maybe you want to help the zombies to get in town, right? Or or maybe the zombies get there and 
you help the humans fight them off and then the humans accept you and you're like, woohoo, now they'll let me leave because they think I'm one of them or, you know, whatever. So maybe there's a couple of different options. Um, but you mentioned controlling zombies and I'm thinking, dude, like we could have this thing where it's like we have like the bad ending and the good ending or like, you know, the rare ending or whatever. Mm -hmm. And what if the hardest ending for experts only is the zombie horde besieges the town. You stealthily help them to win because oh oops humans i don't know what happened like that gate got left open i don't know uh, what it okay but then so like you have to keep the suspicion meter at just the right level so you can like sneak around and let the zombies win but then once the zombies win your humanity meter has to be just in the right place so that you have enough intelligence to still think but you're zombified enough that now you're king zombie and you like rule the horde like that would be the best oh, way to win the game. Awesome. So okay. So so like part of the stealth of that that campaign. Like I, I, now I'm I'm picturing exactly how this would play out. So like part of the thing would be obviously the the town would be overrun. You know there would be like the military's fighting back, the cops are fighting back, people are hiding, barricading their homes, all that. One of the things you would have to do is like you're with the people, but you have to sneak around and do stuff like maybe when these these uh, soldiers are like taking a break like the, the soldier smoking go hide his rifle you know so yes, like when, yes. when the zombies come he can't he can't fight back and gets killed or like mm -hmm. you see like oh mrs smith is barricading her house go and unlock the door <laughs> you know, yeah. like yeah. little things like that where you, but if you get caught you're fucked so you yes. have to like try to help the zombies inconspicuously while letting the zombies just slowly munch their way through town. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's awesome. Or, or like, what if there's like, you know, there's two sentries on the wall on like the night shift and you could choose if you're like, look, I need some human brains because I really need my zombie meter to be high enough that I can take control of the zombie horde eventually. So like you, you can choose like, well, I could just go eat some rats and keep living, or maybe I go for the gold, go get one of these like uh, sentries on the wall and like, you know, convince them, you know, throw a rock and he's like, Hey, what's that? He walks off and then you kill him, eat his brains and like hide the body in the darkness. And mm -hmm. suddenly your like zombie meter goes up. So you, now you're a stronger zombie. Well, at the same time, you know, you, that's one less person on the walls. And so like the zombies, it's almost like you're courting the loyalty of the zombie horde. Like the more zombie you act, the more likely you are to be king zombie but the, at the end of it you know right <laughs> so throughout the whole game they'll have these options of like well what do you like you could play it real safe and just survive and get like the boring ending but like i guess you technically win you know mm -hmm. or um you know you could lose like oops you get found out and they shoot you through the brains and that's all that's all she wrote right, right. or you could get real stealthy and gamble with like, okay, I want to get like the good ending, you know? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that would be super fun. But if it was like kind of like a limited open world, you'd have all these options, like you said, of let me hide the weapons. Let me take out the guard. Let me, you know, oops, I dropped the bullets in the sewer, you know, or, you know, whatever. And yeah, it, like it would be cool if you had just, you could kind of do whatever you want as long as you're careful to keep the suspicion meter low enough where it doesn't the town doesn't go on like high alert yes you know? i'm picturing this from like uh one of those isometric viewpoints of like you remember the old fallout games not the not the modern ones not the first person ones but where it's like the three-quarter top down mm -hmm. and like i'm picturing the world like that so like you get you get a good view of the the town overall but like there are still going to be parts that are obscured so like 
you better make sure they can't see what you're doing. You know, that type of a thing. So you have to like constantly okay, yeah. be aware of like what's just beyond your vision. You know, mm-hmm. like, is there a guard up on that tower with binoculars? Will he see what you're doing? You know, those kind of things. Like, you have to be real careful at, when you're moving about the town. Okay, yeah. No, I think that's awesome. Yeah, we, it, you can't just assume that because you can't see it on screen that no one else can see you. Like, you know, you could be like, oh, I'm in this dark alley. But, like, yeah, the alley faces, you know, the middle of town. <laughs> you know, Right, like, exactly. <laughs> like, you, you're going to have to be really – yeah, so this, I love the idea of it's – it's a stealth game where you're constantly trying to literally survive because you need to eat, you know, brains or some equivalent of brains enough to. Oh, here, here, here's the thing. What if the if your health meter or whatever we call it, your unhealth meter, you know, gets low enough because you're not eating brains or not eating something to keep you going. You just completely resort to shambling mindless zombie and you walk out into the middle of the street one day and get shot down like, oops, you should have ate something, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh so, yeah, there there absolutely has to be something like that. Like if if your meter runs out, you go full feral or something like that. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. That, that could be that same humanity meter where it goes from like you know human to zombie, but there should be like a line at like maybe like the eighty or ninety percent mark where it's like okay, if you go beyond this line, you completely lose your capacity, all your intelligence is gone, you're full zombie, so you you can't go beyond that line or you know ninety percent or whatever. Um, but if you get, you know, real close to it, that's when you get the the loyalty of the zombie horde. Like you have to be as close to the line as possible without going over, like to yeah. to ba- balance it just right. You know, um, it's almost like a super meter in a way where it's like you wanna you wanna get it to that point where you can use all those crazy zombie abilities, but you don't want to push it too far where you lose control of your character. Maybe that could even be like the punishment. It's like you get that far. And suddenly you're no longer in control of your character. He's just running around like in a full on frenzy, you know, causing chaos. And if you're unlucky, he causes chaos in the middle of town and you lose. You know, maybe he he causes chaos in like Mrs. Smith's house. You could still try to get away with it once you calm down. (laughs) Oh, that's really good. Like it would be a temporary thing. Right. Yeah. Or maybe like, yeah, you go into this like berserker zombie mode and you like find the nearest thing to eat. And if the nearest thing to eat is like the neighbor's dog and no one notices, well, good for you. But if you were trying to sneak into the hardware store to sabotage all the rifles and you go into full zombie mode, well, there's a guy there with a bunch of guns and he's going to get you before you get him. You know, so it's like (laughs) you're in Andy's gun shop now. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. No, this is fun. Um, and I really like this idea of like doing like a co-op mode or or whatever you call it because I don't know the, I know that gamers speak uh, <laughs> you know but the idea being that like if there's other people playing online you could sort of find other people like you in town and team up but I, first of all we have to figure out how do you find them is it obvious like zombies can sense zombies or do you have to be real careful of like okay I think that person's a zombie so now I got to gamble on you know, telling them, hey, guess what? I'm dead. Are you dead? You know, right. uh, <laughs> you have to try to sniff it out. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And it might be oh. as easy. It might be as easy as like, hey, this person is using like slang that the coders would have never programmed the NPCs to use. So they got to be a real human like playing somewhere, you know. Dude, that would be awesome. You could you could add almost an RPG element to it. Like again, going back to Fallout, where you get like the uh you you know you get a close up view of the character you're speaking to, like staring straight at the screen. So it almost goes into like first person mode, and then mm-hmm. you would have a dialogue tree. So you would have a bunch of different questions you could ask them, and okay. their answers you know would 
but so basically you got to figure out the right question to ask to try to to suss out are they infected too or are they human and will know if I say this? So you have to like ask a bunch of different questions before you get to the zombie stuff. So like okay. ways to try to like figure it out because then there's that element of danger. If you say the wrong thing, they're going to be like mm-hmm. zombie and point at you. And then suddenly, yeah. you lose, you know, yeah. so it could add this layer of like role playing to it where like you could, uh, if you're leveling up your character, maybe you get better intuition. So you get better dialogue options or like, you know, better persuasion. So you have a, a higher chance of persuading them not to speak, you know, not or not to yell zombie if they if they're human. And, you know, like maybe mm-hmm. you can still convince them. No, no, I'm human. I was fucking around. I was joking. You know, that yeah. type of a mm-hmm. thing. So I think that would be really fun because then it would it would give you reason to keep playing longer. Like you would want to build your character up. Oh, I love that. So I, that kind of solves the problem, too, of like, how do you play with other players? Well, what if, you know playing other players online that could just be like an open sandbox mode that you unlock at some point you know at some point if you're far enough in the game and you're playing the story mode you get good enough where it's like okay now you've unlocked the ability to just go into this sort of like sandbox area with all your friends and like fuck around but it doesn't really affect your main game whereas in the main game there there are certain npcs that are randomly identified like in the code as okay out of you know 100 npcs in town these five could be zombies if you ask the right questions and so like yeah if you're if you're suspicious but careful enough to find which of the npcs are secretly zombies like you if you do find them it's like you recruit them and once you do now you have other zombies you know three or four other zombies that you can control so that you can use them in your plans to like let the horde take over right so mm-hmm. you could you could set up you could set up like like schemes like you know like heists or whatever where it's like you could you could <laughs> give your you could either give them instructions or temporarily switch your you know your controlled character to that other you know, to the NPC and say, okay, so while me, Mr. Main Zombie, my my avatar character, I'm gonna sneak into the guardhouse and poison the coffee so that we can all, you know, have the brains of the guards and yet at the same time that's gonna, you know, help the zombie horde. Whatever, I'm just making this up. I'm gonna sneak in and poison the coffee and you, Sally NPC zombie, you're going to go around the side and like take your top off in the window. So they all look at you and then you, you know, uh, Joe Bob next door, NPC zombie, you're going to go and like cut the power, you know what I mean? So like, mm-hmm. you can kind of like, you can set up these, these, uh, these scenarios where you can get more complicated with, you know, how quickly and how well you can, you know, sneakily take over town and make it easy pickings for the zombie horde. I like that. I, I like that a lot because then you could do stuff like, uh, like you said, with the, the guards, you could do something like where you set it up to be like, OK, we're going to have two or three zombies waiting to strike. We have the one zombie distract them. The other zombie cut the power. Then while they're distracted, have the three zombies that were waiting to strike rushing in under the guise of darkness and eat these or eat these humans and then quickly disperse of the bodies. So it's like whereas one player or like one you know singular zombie wouldn't have been able to pull that off. You'd have to wait to like pull one of the group away from the guard, you know, the guard group. Mm-hmm. But if you have a group of zombies, you could set up this more elaborate trap where you can get, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you can, you could get three, three humans for the price of one, that type of thing. 
Yeah, exactly. I think, and again, just from a, like a tutorial perspective, I just used the name Sally twice for female characters because I'm unoriginal. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like that actually would be kind of neat going back to the setup the of the game at the very beginning during like the cinematic. If we do this thing where it's like you're on Lover's Lane making out with like you know Sally, the girl next door, and then some zombie gets shot, it goes in your mouth. What if at some point during the game you realize, hey, wait. If I got zombie flesh in my mouth, did Sally get in her mouth too? And there, it becomes this tutorial where you learn how to identify the zombie NPCs and like recruit them to your side because you already have one where the odds of Sally being a zombie like you are really high. So it's like, okay, let's go learn how to do this with a character who's probably already friendly with me because, you know, I was making out with her at the beginning, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, okay. Hold on. What, what if you just gave me an idea? So like the start of the game, this, this adds a whole different layer. So at the start of the game, you know, you're on the date. Like, I, I don't know why I keep thinking uh, of the, the main guy named Brad. <laughs> Just the, sure. the name that kept hopping. Brad the zombie. Um, yeah. So, so okay, so you're, play, you're playing as Brad, and you're out on a date with Sally, right? Like, this is the, the opening cinematic or, or, ish, or like, uh, they'll, they'll do maybe those, like, moving um, panels where they do, like, the panel, but, like, part of it will move, like, almost mm-hmm. like uh, – I'm trying to think like Twisted Metal did this with their cutscenes. I know Mortal Kombat does it with their editing. Yeah, it's kind of like know. a motion comic kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm kind of picturing it like that, like a painted motion comic where it's like, you know, the two of you are out on out on a date. Maybe you're, you know, you're at like the, the boardwalk area of town, right? Like there's like rides and games and stuff like that. And you go and you both get a burger and a shake at the little like, you know, Shake Shack type thing. And then on the news the next day, there's a whole thing of like, you know, tainted meat made its way into town and people are talking about like, you know, don't eat at the following establishments, you know, and and you okay. like the whole town is on high alert. But you and Sally ate there last night. So now it's the whole thing of like everybody's question, like, who's a zombie? Who's a zombie? Who's in town? It's a zombie. You know, everyone's okay, sure. freaking out. So now and, and you start noticing the symptoms. So like the game would open with you noticing that like, Hmm, I'm not feeling too well, you know, like maybe we'll have like the, the scene of him looking in the mirror, sticking his tongue out, like pulling down one eyelid, you know, that type of thing. Yep. And, um, you know, so then we go to, go to school that day and we, we do the whole tutorial, like we said, where, you know, you're in, you're a senior in high school and you have to, you know, keep it hidden that you ate at that place. You know, even mm-hmm. though several people saw you out on your date, you're like, oh, no, no, we didn't eat there. You know, we, we ate over here, you know, and you got to make up. You know, so you, we, we get the dialogue tree options early on. We kind of learn how that mechanic works. We learn the stealth mechanic, like maybe maybe the, the scientists are in town, like checking. They want to like do blood tests on everybody. So they're like going through class by class. And you have to like be like, oh, hey, I need to use the bathroom before they yeah. come to your class. And you have yeah. to like hide out in the school and miss getting your blood taken like you have to go through all these like stealth mechanics mm-hmm. to, to see like how high school works. And then yep. like the next chapter would be, okay, you out on the town trying to, uh, you know, satiate your zombie hunger while still staying under the radar. And like, mm-hmm. and this would of course would just escalate and escalate because again, if tainted meat got in the town, mm-hmm. the military that's there, the scientists that are there, like kind of quarantining the town, more and more zombies would be popping up. So like, they'd be yeah. like, Oh shit, you know, old Mr. Witherby is a zombie. Shoot him. Like that type of a thing. And yeah. like, so you're trying to stay the whole game. You're trying to stay under the radar, but you're also looking for other smart zombies like you to try to take down the man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that. And it can be this thing where it's not just like an open world where you can play forever and ever and ever like breath of the wild or Skyrim mm-hmm. or something where instead it's the more time passes, 
the more the suspicion meter is spiking. Like maybe every day it's like it's different every day. Like people go home, they go to sleep, and so it kind of goes down. But every day it's like, okay, it's spiking faster and faster and faster because the military is showing up. And, oh, shit, the horde is on the move, and so they're going to send in more guys and the, the National Guard and whoever. And so the longer that you just, like, fuck around having fun with the game, the harder it gets. So you really kind of have to, like, get to the story, you know, which mm-hmm. I think is kind of, kind of a fun thing. Uh, and again, maybe at some point we can unlock this sort of like sandbox mode where you can play with your friends and like, you know, it's kind of frozen in time. So you can just, you know, fuck around and have fun, you know. Yeah. Um, but as far as the story is concerned, you can't just fuck around like you got to you got to you know figure things out because you have to survive. You know, it's sort of the, the sort of reverse survival horror because you're a horror trying to survive. You know, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. But that'd be good. Oh, and maybe yeah. maybe maybe Sally disappears after the opening sequence where, you know, there's something where she's like, uh, you know, she goes to her grandma's house or whatever. And she comes back just in time for graduation. But you don't get a chance to talk to her until afterwards. So you're all the way outside the tutorial into the open world section of the game before you're able to even try to find Sally, because, I mean, any smart player is going to be like hey if i got sick she got sick so you know where's sally she's my friend like my girlfriend like i can talk to her i can tell her the truth but like we have to take her off the table for a short while so that you as the player can get through the tutorial and then after high school she graduates you don't get a chance to talk to her because her family's around and you don't want to like you know reveal that you, know, that you two are the smart zombies so now one of the first things that you're going to do is try to find a way to get sally alone so you can talk to her and then figure out through the the careful dialogue tree if she's sick or not like you and like so she could potentially be your first you know uh, ally if you mm-hmm. play your cards right or you could just choose to say screw it i'm just going to do this on my own you know so that's the cool thing about this idea and like the technology of video game uh, coding and programming these days is there could be all of these different scenarios where you could choose to play the game in like any way you wanted to, as long as you got to the same, you know, goal of the zombie horde is coming. And like, what are you going to do? Like what ending are you going to get? Oh yeah. And and honestly, I think most of the, the most addictive games and like, at least the ones that I find myself coming back to again and again are the types of games that like, they have a loose plot and then they and they give you a set of rules and they're just like have fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know like uh don't starve and uh 7 days to die are two of the games that I play the most. Like they're they're my two most reoccurring games and both of them yeah there's a loose story like you can kind of piece together the story while playing the game but it's just they give you a handful of mechanics and resources and they kind of leave it up to you how you want to play it and it's it's highly addictive to play a game like that where you can just kind of be in charge, you know, and, yeah. and something like this, like having it, you know, give you the give you the tutorial, give you like a loose idea of where the story's going, like what you got to do to win, mm-hmm. but allow you to get there how you want to. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, all the different items and locations and NPCs in the game you know, they would have so many different possibilities. Like you said, you could, you know, steal people's weapons or sabotage their houses or, you know, cut the power, cut the phone lines. You could kill NPCs so that there just aren't as many humans around, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, you could have a strategy where you're like, well, shit, like if I can get the mayor and the chief of police and the sheriff and all the people who are in charge, if I can 
kill them stealthily one by one by one, eat their brains. That's good for me. But then also it sets the town in chaos because all their leaders are gone. Like that would be a cool way to play the game. Right. And yeah, and you could, you could like make, maybe because again, the townies are, you know, worried like, oh, my neighbor's a zombie. Like there's, there's Mm -hmm. that like whole, uh, it's almost like a red scare type of thing. Like everyone's (laughs) afraid of their neighbors. Um, When you do stuff like that, if you kill like the chief of police or the mayor or, you know, some kind of high profile figure, you Mm -hmm. know, and that gets on the news, then people are like on high alert, like, oh my God, zombies are in town. And so now like getting away with anything is going to be 10 times harder. And that would be a way to naturally up the difficulty level. Um, Mm -hmm. It kind of reminds me of like uh, years ago in World of Warcraft, one of the the things that they implemented was uh, like these hardcore challenge modes for certain boss fights where it's like, okay, if you do this one thing before the boss fight, it's going to make it way harder. Mm -hmm. So like you could you could play it normal or you could challenge yourself and do this other thing and get a better reward. Um, And like like the one that always sticks in my head is there was a, a robot boss named Mimiron. Um, who, if you, there was a big giant red button in his lab <laughs> and, and it was like, do not push. And if you push the big shiny red button, the, the, the fight is like 10 times harder. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but you also have a chance of winning like really good rewards. So, um, but yeah, something like that. So like you could, you could play the game without killing them. You could play it very stealthily, play it quiet and still mm-hmm. get to the ending or you could be like, fuck it, I'm gonna put the town in chaos and I'm still gonna win. <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. Like, if, if, yeah, because if you're good enough at the game, bumping off the leaders of town is gonna increase that like suspicion meter, make the game harder. But if you're good enough, it's still a good strategy because you can get rid of all the leaders, everybody's in chaos, and then it'll be a cinch to just open up the, the gates and let the horde in because the, you know it'll be like a chicken with its head cut off, you know, running mm-hmm. around crazy. So it's a ballsy strategy, but if you're good, you could do it. Or, you know, if you're not so good, you could just play it super stealthy and just sneak around, you know, eat rats, maybe kill the occasional NPC off to the side somewhere that no one's going to notice and then sabotage shit so that eventually when the horde gets to the gates, it's like, oops, all the bolts fell out. Like, I wonder who did that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> who, who could that be? Was it me then? Who? <laughs> exactly. Oh, oh, and this would be fun, too, because in these types of games, there's usually ways to earn, like, you know, silly bonus points just for fun. And, oh, yeah. right. And so what if what if uh, and I'm also thinking of the ending. So like I'm going somewhere with this. Um, so what if there's a rival town that gets mentioned a lot, like especially in this in the cinematic at the beginning? And it'd be kind of funny in the way that like I don't know if you watch Parks and Rec, um, but the way that Pawnee, Indiana, they have their town next door called Eagleton. And it's like Eagleton is so much better than them that they fucking hate each other. It's like, you know, Pawnee is like the regular people and Eagleton's all like the rich assholes. And, you know, for, for, for the first couple of seasons, every time something goes wrong, it must be Eagleton, you know, fucking with us. Um, so it would be funny if it was like, you're in, you know, you're in like little town USA, but there's this rival town down the street, Shelbyville, whatever, you know? Yeah, I was and, gonna say it's like <laughs> Shelbyville and Springfield. Yeah, there you go. See, I don't know why I didn't think about the Simpsons immediately, but yeah, so it's like Shelbyville. And so like in the cinematic they're like you know like uh there's a zombie horde coming you know is it all shelbyville's fault news at 11 you know like (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, shit like that. And like every time you see anything advertised, it's always like, you know, the the football game tonight. It's like, you know, uh, Little Town USA versus Shelbyville. Are, are we going to win? Of course we are, you know, whatever. And so what if occasionally as you're playing the game, you know, you sort of earn bonus points because you're like, oh, like I killed a guy wearing like a Shelbyville varsity jacket or, you know, or, you know, this guy's <laughs> this guy's, you know, his mom is from Shelbyville. So every time you get something involved with the rival town, it's like a little bonus point for you where your 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 health meter goes up more than it should because it was like fuck those Shelbyville people, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's like they're, but at the same time you're like, why why are their brains worth twice as much as ours? Like I don't know if I like that, <laughs> you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it would be cool at the end if you get the good ending and you become like king zombie ruler of the dead. And of course it would be like, you know, well, what do you do now, king zombie? I'm going to Shelbyville to eat all their brains. And you like <laughs> leave the horde. And then it would just be a cool way to end the game, but also maybe a sequel, you know? <laughs> yes. That would be awesome. <laughs> I love it. Oh man, see, this is why I wanted to talk this out with you because I'm like, I don't know what to do with this, but if I made it a video game, like it would be really fun. Except I don't know shit about games. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, no, I, I, I tell you right now, this is definitely a game I would fucking play. Um, like that is a lot of fun. Like, and I, and I love those types of stealth games. So I, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. And well, you know, I love zombies. So <laughs> if I was well, like yeah. zombie comedy stealth, I'm in. Like I would absolutely play the hell out of that. <laughs> oh sweet, yeah, no, that that's awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and I tried to f- look this up because I'm like, there's got to be games that people have already came up with where you get to play as a zombie. I mean, would oh, yeah, there, there be? There there are. There's uh, Stubbs the Zombie. Mm-hmm. Um, that came out. God, I want to say like 2004 or five. I know it was a 360 game. I never did get to play it because it was it was buggy as hell, and um, it got really shit reviews, and I could never find like a a way to play it without paying for it. Like I didn't want to buy a $60 game only to have it be buggy. Um, but yeah, I know there, there was that mm-hmm. one and um, I'm blanking now. Oh my God. There are so, I know there are other games where you can play as a zombie. Like I know left for dead, you can play yeah. uh, as a zombie, like, you know, on, on the opposite side. And I know there's like some like multiplayer horror games, like where you can play as a zombie. I think call of duty zombies. Uh, I think there's a mode where you get to control the horde. But yeah, there, there's definitely games out there where you can play as a zombie. Yeah, you mentioned Left 4 Dead. That's the one that I saw on a list. I just Googled it trying to find some games where people, you know, you had some opportunities to play as the zombie. I think Contagion is one that I saw. I've never seen that game before, but uh, I guess I guess that's like one of the options. But yeah, I was hoping to not find anything, and I'm glad I really didn't. I mean, I found, yes, yeah, some stuff like you just mentioned, but I was I Googled like kind of, you know, squinting my eyes, like, please, I don't want any good answers here because I was like, you know, (laughs) trying to find a game where you get to play as a zombie, but in like stealth mode, like you mentioned, where you're sneaking around as the zombie throughout the whole game. Because most of the games that are out there seem to be either, it's a alternate mode in the game where you get to be a zombie for some short period of time, but that's not really the point of the game. Or if you are a zombie, the whole game, it's not really like a stealth survival. It's just a, you know, eat all the brains you can kind of a thing. Uh, so I was like, okay, cool. And again, it might be out there somewhere, but I couldn't find it. So I think this is a pretty good idea for a, you know, a stealth survival game where it's, you know, be a zombie and you know, kill your uh, townsfolk and try to get away, try to get away with it. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I, the honestly, the only game I can I can think of that's even close to what we just talked about is Stubbs. Um, and, mm-hmm. and like I said, I never played it. I do know that you are a zombie and that you're trying to eat brains or eat people. Um, and it's it's a comedy, but uh, it it got a shitload of bad reviews. <laughs> and um, I know it also got into a big controversy uh, at the time because you know this is back back when. Video games couldn't have anything violent in it because if it had violence oh, in yeah. it, it was, uh, and uh, you know, I, I want to say it was because of uh, they were like, it shows cannibalism. And it's like, but they're zombies. But yeah. again, you're the one since you're playing the zombie. It was that whole thing of like, sure, uh, how the MPAA is like, oh, you can have monsters, but they have to die by the end of the film, like that whole stupid mm-hmm. thing, or like like the comic book code where it's like, you can have vampires, but they can't be undead. <laughs> you know? I know. So you get Morbius the living vampire. Yeah, sure. Right. Whatever you say, man. <laughs> or even like Night of the Living Dead. Like, isn't that just Night of the Dead? Because, you know, there's dawn and day and night of the dead. But they had to add yep. living because people were all like touchy about, oh, it can't be about dead things. Right. You know, <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Yeah, so I think that's just about it, honestly. I'm happy that this is a shorter episode, honestly, because the last episode ran really long. I felt like we had a lot of moving pieces on the board that we had to figure out with the murder mystery and just trying to get our story to a point where it would make sense as a mystery. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, we had to add all these new characters in and explain who they were. And it was a fun episode with The Breakfast Club. But, yeah, it was a long episode. So I'm glad that this one is going to end up being shorter. And, yeah, I we just got in and got out as far as I'm concerned. I think this is a really fun idea. I had a fun time chatting with you about how we would make look alive into a sort of reverse survival stealth game. And yeah, I would play the shit out of this. It would be really fun. Oh, hell yeah. Honestly, like I, I highly recommend for anyone yourself included. Uh, if you haven't played party hard, uh, check it out. It's, it's super cheap. It's, it's easy to run. It's a very basic game. It's, it's kind of retro graphics. Uh, it's on Steam. I want to say it's like five bucks at this point. Like it's not much at all, um, mm-hmm. but it's highly addictive and it's a hell of a lot of fun and kind of the basis for what I was thinking about with the mechanics for this. Sure. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I'd play the fuck out of this. <laughs> I don't know. I want to play it right now. I have the same feeling I get after we do a really good episode. and It's like, fuck, man, I want to go watch this movie. Like, I really want to sign off and go play Look Alive right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> We have to we have to make friends with some game developers. <laughs> I know. Well, shit, man. Half the reason why I do this is because I just want to take some of these ideas and get them out of our heads. Like you and I have so many story ideas mm-hmm. that just live in our heads. And like, yeah, we've written some scripts and we've made some comics, but like, we have so many. And when I say so many, I mean I don't think the listeners really understand. We're talking decades worth of like <laughs> crazy story ideas. How many times a month do one of us? text the other one with hey i got high or i got drunk or i'm up late and i had this crazy (laughs) idea and then you write a text message that you have to copy into like four balloons or four (laughs) bubbles because it won't all fit in one and you're like oh hey man sorry for the long message and it takes three days to respond to it because i had to read the whole fucking script (laughs) because it's like a damn novel (laughs) and it always starts off with like oh i had this crazy idea and you get three sentences in and you're like literally writing dialogue line by line by line and you're writing a whole fucking story i mean we went back through our text message conversations for the last decade there's got to be a dozen movies and like 20 novels in there oh yeah Oh, easily. 
Well, and that's the thing, like, going back to the stuff that we created when we were making comic books, I still have a file on my computer with just, like, lists and lists of names and titles and, like, mm-hmm. elevator pitches for, like, random shit. When we when the, when the Boogeyman's Closet was originally going to be an anthology horror comic, um, I got a bunch of those written down. And then we have, like all of our different like book ideas. And, and of course we could, cause we could never do anything small. It was like, here's this one story and here's the 14 sequels, you know, <laughs> it was like every single yeah. time. But, and it's funny cause this, this type of thing extends uh, even further back when, when text messaging wasn't a very prevalent way of communicating. Do you remember like back when I was living in Rochester, I literally got up in the middle of the night with an idea for a sequel to the sequel to our first comic, because we did we did uh, <laughs> Upai, and then yeah. we had Revenge of the Living Teddy planned, and it was going to be like, it was going to end, and that was going to be the, the end of that story. And then suddenly I got inspiration for a third part, and I like pounded out an entire script in the middle of the night and just emailed it to you. It was like, oh my God, you got to read this. And it was just like, yeah, it was this great. And then, of course, you emailed me back with your ideas, and I was like, "Oh my god, I got another issue." And then, like, yeah. said it, and like we did that for like five issues, and like this mm-hmm. that used to happen constantly back in the day. Dude, I still have a folder in my email that's just called ideas, and it's like every time we have one of those email exchanges, I throw it in there, and every once in a while, I just go back and look at those e- old emails, and I'm like, Jesus, like, what were we on? But at the same time, <laughs> like, there's so many good ideas in there, and stuff that we've collaborated on together, and you know, just recently, and, I, and I'll say it here, because I, I want to do something with it, and maybe if I say it and get it out in the ether, it'll happen, but so I had this idea recently for a Christmas horror story just based on the word chimney. Because you and I were talking about how back in the day we used to just come up with a random dictionary word like, you know, uh, stairway or Mm -hmm. pumpkin or whatever and just come up with a horror story just based on a one word prompt. And recently I did that with the word chimney. And I'm standing in my garage in the middle of a reorganization project on my phone just, oh, my God, 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 in the middle of the fucking summer, not even Christmas time. And you wake up and there's like a text message so long that you had to like copy it into. to like an email just to read it and I'm you know and I'm like this just randomly happens in the middle of the day and I wrote I must have written a couple of thousand words of like okay fate you know scene one here's here's how we set it all up you know and we we both do go back and forth like that shit all the time and then yet we spend all this time on the podcast you know coming up with cool stories for like pop culture and Hollywood properties which I love to do and I think it's what people like to hear because these are familiar properties people want to listen to the cool ideas about the movies that they're into at least that's what i hope our audience is <laughs> you know um but every once in a while it's fun to just be like hey no i got my own ideas and and so this was kind of a, a, a of a softball you know kind of an easy pitch just to kind of get the ball rolling but this is one that i literally wrote down in a notebook in 2011 and I've been thinking about it for years, like, fuck, like, I, I cannot figure this one out. Every time we come up with a story idea, one of us is always able to be like, dude, here's what you should do, <laughs> you know? Right. <laughs> but this is one of those ones where I'm like, I just can't figure it out. So that's why I brought it to the table uh, so we could kind of do it together. And I think it worked out pretty well. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think this is this is a dilemma that most artists, uh, especially like, you know, artists that aren't professionals uh, run into is the concept of the fan art versus original art. Uh, this this is something that, that I talked to Tara about recently. We, we were both lamenting how when we do conventions, we need to mostly focus on our fan art because that's what what's going to sell. That's what people want to see. They want to see mm-hmm. familiarity. They want to see characters that they know and love just done in a different style, which, and again, don't get me wrong. I'm a fanboy too. I love that stuff as well. Um, from a creative standpoint, like I like to find ways that I can do something unique with the characters I love. So that's what like gave birth to the pop culture confessionals for all those years. It was like, let me do something kind of silly with these characters that aren't silly. Um, Mm -hmm. Or like some of the the horror movie stuff I've done recently. None of it is, hey, here's just a picture of Jason. It's it's like, you know, here's a a silhouette of someone holding a pickaxe. And then the prominence uh, of the the picture is Jason's mother's head, you know, stuff like that, Mm -hmm. where you do fan art in a way where it's kind of it's kind of more your own interpretation versus just, hey, here's a character we all know and love. And that's kind of what this show does. It's like, you know, we take a, a property that everyone knows and loves and we kind of do a fan art version of it where we do our own telling or our own reimagining of a sequel or, you know, we come up with something based around an existing property. It's it's the equivalent of making fan art. And there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. That's a, that's a fuckload of fun. And, and that's something that a lot of fans love. That's the whole reason why there's fan fiction. Um, which this show is, you know, Um, but like (laughs) your own stuff, there's something extremely satisfying about pulling an entire story out of the ether or like in, 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 in terms of art, like pulling an image out of your head that only exists in your head and throwing it down on the page and, and then being able to look at it and show it to other people. And that's that's the fun of doing these types of episodes is we can take a story that exists only in our headspace and like put it out there into the world and hopefully you know, people enjoy it as much as we do. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. It's funny to think about Race by Rentals as like fan fiction. I'm like, I don't think I ever thought about that before, but shit, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> oh, it totally is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But we're, we're, time, we're not slash fiction, though. Well, let's yeah, get it no, right. <laughs> let's get it right. I know. But at the same time, like, that doesn't discourage me either because there are authors out there, like novelists, who started off writing fan fiction. Like uh, E.L. E. James is probably the most famous one from Fifty Shades of Grey. She started yeah. off writing Twilight fan fiction. In fact, that's what Fifty Shades of Grey originally started off as. It was, you know, Twilight fan fiction or slash fiction, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also, like, uh, Cassandra Clare and Naomi Novik. I'm looking at a list. And I, sh- I didn't even know that Rainbow Rowell started off doing Harry Potter fan fiction but that's really cool um anyway so yeah i think that that's a great uh, that's great company to be in people who are able to put in the work do some fan fiction and eventually turn it into original stuff and you you and i have struggled for years with just having enough free time to sit down and write scripts and write novels and and not only free time but also like once you write a script like what do you do with it you, you draw your own comic that takes years do you find someone else to draw it for you that costs money if you want to pay people the way that they should be paid you know if yep. you want to turn it into a movie that's a whole team of people you got to get involved so writing is a tough gig to get into if you're not writing prose like novels i feel 
like even that's really hard to get into, but it's probably easier than anything else that involves script writing. Um, in, at least in my uh, in my experience, that's been true. I prefer writing scripts to mm-hmm. prose. Um, you know, I, I feel it works better for my own personal style and, you know, writing screenplays or comic book scripts or whatever. But, man, trying to turn that into like a paying gig is damn near impossible. Oh, so, hell yeah. No, and I'm this, right there with you on the scripts versus prose. I definitely prefer that. Yeah, I mean, I can write prose, but it's always for me, it always feels like it's such a struggle. I feel like I'm trying to transform my idea into prose rather than with a script where it's like this is how I'm envisioning the idea. You know, I write in my head in the script format of description and dialogue and description and dialogue. And that's not to say that I can't, you know, turn a poetic phrase now and again, but it's just not the way I prefer to work. Uh, you know, if we were if we were doing, you know, Hollywood screenplays, shit, I'd. I'd be a pig in shit, but you know, oh, it's just, hell yeah. you know, or comic book scripts. And, you know, I, I, I went through the, the, I went through all the motions multiple times in the past of writing up comic book scripts and then trying to either get them sold or hire artists or find a partner. And it's, it's always a struggle um, as a writer. I feel like there's probably more writers out there than, you know, artists and filmmakers who can actually like put shit into the world. But that's the beauty of doing podcasting because we were able to find a way to be creative and put actual uh finished product out in the world in the form of podcast episodes and then doing something like this where it's totally original i mean this is new for raised by rentals but uh i don't know about you but i after this two-parter i plan on having more rbr original programming in the future oh hell yeah no i i I totally love doing this and and it gives us and it gives us an outlet for a lot of those stories that like you know and i and i'm I'm gonna sit here and pat myself on the back and pat you on the back for some of those stories are really fun like they are still really fun ideas and i think that given you know an hour or two we could flesh out a really fun tale and and in a way it's almost like campfire tales you know like you know when you you make up a story with your friends Mm -hmm. around the fire and it only exists in that headspace like that's kind of what we're doing with a lot of our old scripts is is telling them on this podcast or like these old ideas like you said you've been sitting on this idea since 2011 you know it's one of those things it's like it finally gets to have some life where it gets shared with the world and like you know would it be cooler if you actually got to to spearhead a video game fuck yeah it would be but you know at the same time now it exists it's out there the story Mm -hmm. exists um one thing I did want to say really quick when you're talking about the difficulties of making comics on the, the flip side of things as an artist uh, working for a script that someone else has written. Uh, one of the things I find extremely difficult when working with a writer who has come up with the vision entirely themselves, like you and I, when we always worked together, we came up with the stories together. So when we plotted out the pages, when we plotted out the mm-hmm. look of the book, um, there was a lot of wiggle room and we kind of knew how to craft the page based around what we wanted it to happen. Mm-hmm. When a writer is just giving you uh, a page, a lot of times they're envisioning it, envisioning it in motion. Like we all, we all envision things in motion, mm-hmm. but with a comic, it's static images. Same thing with a, with a children's book, it's static images. So a lot of times what, what I end up dealing with is people that will say like, they'll have a page and they'll have like 20 things that need to happen on that page with all this dialogue and other stuff. And it's like, there is no way all of that is going to fit on this page with the amount of detail and expressions and, you know, proper pauses that you want between character dialogue. Like it's not going to happen. So you have to like, there's then that fight with the, the writer of like, 
well, I could do it this way, or we can make this into like three pages. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you know, I understand you're picturing it in motion, but you got to remember these are static images. <laughs> so it, it's tough. It, making comic books is hard for anyone that hasn't made them. It's very fucking hard. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's super difficult to do the artwork for sure. Even writing the script, I find, is tougher than like say a movie script because oh like, yeah for the, for the exact same reasons and i have one script in particular that it's been on ice for a little while because in my head it's like yeah i finished it but in reality i need to go back and like actually you know finish figuring out all of these sort of page and panel transitions because i wanted to write it to find someone to draw it uh it's a very you know heavy sci-fi story it required you know somebody who would really like to do that sort of thing but i need to go back and actually figure all those transitions out but that's the part where it got boring because in my head i can see exactly what it looks like i've read so many comics and i know most right. about them that i can see it panel by panel by panel but i could just write it really loosely for hey mr artist person you know figure this out or fill this in or draw whatever you want but since i was trying to hire somebody to draw it i wanted to have it broken down as much as i could panel to panel so they would kind of understand where i was coming from even so there's so many places where i wrote into the script like you know have fun with this part or you know this is a two-page spread and you know it has these elements without necessarily like breaking down you know into specific details um you know it always makes me think of warren ellis and i don't remember the exact issue of ultimate fantastic four but i remember Stuart eminent was the artist and you know he wrote in his newsletter once that the easiest money he ever made in his life was the the money he got paid for those ultimate fantastic four scripts something like three or four thousand dollars per issue and he said you know there was a section in there where i did three two-page spreads in a row and every one was there's a rocket about to launch have fun and then the next one again two pages the next one is more of the same <laughs> you know and it was like <laughs> just go crazy Stuart. you know and and this guy's spending fucking probably weeks drawing these big widescreen double page spreads of like you know, Fantastic Four rockets firing into space and Warren Ellis is just cashing checks, you know? Right. <laughs> that, that reminds me of a meme that went around for a while where it was uh, it was a, uh, like a webcomic where there was a, a panel that showed like a writer and an artist sitting at a Comic-Con panel and the writer was going on talking about, well, I much prefer, you know, making comics to doing movies because, you know, with a comic book, I can just say we need a giant space armada. And, you know, it's it's the same budget as if I had talking heads. And then the artist just attacks him and starts beating the hell out of him. Exactly. Well, and it's true for the writer, but of course the artist, the difference between one spaceship and an armada could be one day drawing versus weeks drawing the same yep. page and they're getting paid the exact same amount of money. So yeah, the budget's the same, but it's not the same level of effort. It Hell is really no. cool. <laughs> it is really cool that you can have an unlimited special effects budget in comics, but you still have to understand that there's a person who has to draw this, you know? <laughs> right. uh, and I, I always find myself following or being a fan of writers more so than artists in comics and i sometimes almost feel guilty about it because i'll follow a writer from one book to another book and every time that they're moving from title to title usually they're working with different artists and i might appreciate that artist but i more often find myself saying hey what else did this author write i want to read more rather than saying hey what else did this artist draw i want to see more you know, yeah. and I, I kind of feel guilty about that because comics is nothing without the art. You know, you know right. it's an it's an essential part of the 
of the creative process. Like you can have a comic without a script, but you can't have a comic without the art, really. Um, right. But I mean, I, and I, I agree, I'm guilty of it as well. And 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 again, being someone who has drawn more comics than I've, well, I shouldn't say drawn more than I've written, but drawn more that have been published than ones I've written that have been published. <laughs> um, you know, but I definitely follow writers more than I follow artists. I mean, there's a handful like, you know, uh, Eric Powell, Jim Mahfoud, Scotty Young, like I always look for their stuff. Uh, but but yeah, for the most part, it's more the, the, the writers that I follow, like the Warren Ellis's and Garth Ennis's and, you know, Alan Moore's of the world. <laughs> So I, I'm, we should wrap this up. I'll just give a, a quick shout out then for one artist that I recently, I'll say rediscovered or recently realized how fucking amazing they are. And so I'll just call it out since we're on the topic, but I fucking love Andy Bellinger. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Um, he's worked for all kinds of comic book companies professionally, you know, Marvel and DC and some Wildstorm stuff at one point. And I recently read two of the comics that he drew and just completely and utterly fell in love. He works a lot for Lethal Comics, which is the Canadian company that is putting out that Psycho Gorman anthology on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Um, and they put out a lot of really amazing comics. And he did a comic for them, his own creation, uh, called Mother Trucker, which is everything that the title says it is. It is a sci-fi professional wrestling comic where truckers battle over the rights to like pick up loads to like you know uh, space freight across the galaxy. <laughs> it's fucking amazing. <laughs> uh, but it's everything you'd want out of like an 80s sci-fi story. It's so, so well done. And I love the artwork. But then I also recently read a comic that he drew in 2017, 2018 for Becky Cloonan. It came out under Image, which is called Southern Cross, which I didn't read originally, honestly, because the title is kind of boring. But it's this amazing, it's this amazing sci-fi story about a a mining community on some distant moon and the main character is traveling there on like a space freighter to investigate a murder and then some crazy sci-fi shit like event horizon style shit starts happening on the space freighter and then eventually the action travels to this remote mining community on some moon somewhere and it is so fucking gorgeous i love the story becky clinton is an amazing writer but the artwork I was just pausing at every page, like, oh my god, like I cannot believe I haven't read more of this guy's comics. How he, how is he not like the fucking hottest artist of the year or the decade or whatever? Like Andy Bellinger is so fucking amazing. On top of the fact that he like moonlights as a fucking wrestler uh, for IWS Wrestling <laughs> as Bob the Animal Anger, which is a great fucking wrestling That's name. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm looking him up right now. I, I, you know, it's funny. Like I've seen his art without mm-hmm. knowing who it was. Yeah. So like, cause I've seen that psycho Gorman art. I've seen uh, Southern cross mm-hmm. and I'm looking, I'm like, Oh my God, I've seen this guy's work before. And he's really fucking good. I'm glad you said the name. Cause I never had a, a name to put to the art. So yeah, no, he's, he's fucking talented as hell. Yeah. Hell yeah. So yeah, well, you know, we'll put paid to what we t- said about how, you know, it's harder for artists and yeah, I'll throw that name out there. So if you're listening and you want to check out some cool uh, sci-fi shit, Andy Bellinger or Bob the Animal Anger, definitely Google it. I highly recommend Southern Cross, even though it never got a proper ending because it got canceled. Uh, but Mother Trucker, he's only ever sold him on Kickstarter so far, but I'm assuming there's going to be another one coming out soon because the story's not done. Uh, but yeah, anything by Andy Bellinger is fucking amazing. Check it out. Very cool. 
Anyway, Mike, so I'm glad we did this. This was really, really fun. Um, last time we did a late night double feature picture show. So we're going to call this new series of RBR original programming the Double Venti Extra Hot Spooky Spice Latte with Global Milk. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's too hard to say. So that we'll call this like the. It would give you diarrhea. <laughs> yes, I think. Yeah, I think I think I would. Um, no, we'll call it the uh, the fright for the whole family double pack this time. So next nice. time you're up, you're up, man. I hope you have a cool idea. I know you mentioned something to me once and I vaguely remember what it was. So hopefully I'll come to the table as uh, empty paged as you did today. I have uh, since changed the idea pretty drastically. Ooh, okay. Um, so because you had mentioned something in specific that I had not considered and I was like, oh, yeah, OK, that could be taken the wrong way. So let me change that a little bit. Okay. Um, and I, I have what I think is going to be a very dark but fun story. Nice. I, I hope so. And uh, well, just based on the vague idea you told me last time, uh, that's why I mentioned the uh, the fright for the whole family, because I thought, yeah, it's a video game. Your idea, I thought, would probably be good for, you know, potential younger viewers or younger readers. I don't want to give anything away. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to finding out what it is. It's always fun to come to the table completely empty handed and just have the challenge of the improv. So, yeah, looking forward to that one. And I hope everyone tunes in next time for part two of the fright for the whole family double pack. But in the meantime, if you want to check out more podcasts and other awesome creative people, check out RadPantheon.com, a art collective of creative friends supporting each other and helping to spread the word about rad stuff. There's podcasts, there's music, there's movie makeup, there's T-shirts and merch and all kinds of cool shit. So check out all the creatives at RadPantheon.com. You'll find our show and information at RaisedByRentals.com and at RaisedByRentals on all the socials. Mike, is anything you want to plug? Uh, yeah, over at the Boogeyman's Closet, we are finishing up our month of What a Twist movies uh, with Psycho, and then we are moving into uh, October with our, our Spoopy Anthology Month. We always talk about how anthology movies are a huge watch around Halloween, so we decided to come back to them. It's been about three years since we've tackled anthologies, so figured it's about it's about due time again. Uh, really looking forward to that month. We also have a Friday the 13th special on the way and a fun Halloween special. So uh, Boogeyman's Closet is going to be very busy in October, but check us out, Boogeyman's Closet, uh, on all the socials, as well as Count Creepyhead Saturday Morning Monster Mash. We got a, a very fun 100th episode coming up. I'm very excited about that. So check out Count Creepyhead Saturday Morning Monster Mash, Creepyhead with a K, on all the socials or on Rad Pantheon. Nice. Yeah, that's right. The 100th episode is about to come out. That's really cool. And on the Boogeyman's Closet, I was really excited to join recently. It should, the episode's out by now for the Class of 1999 Back to School special with my kid Tegan and my brother. So we had the murder of Strasburgs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. That was a ton of fun talking about that crazy sci-fi movie from the 90s. And if you listen to it, just uh, take a shot first, because the three of us are like fighting to talk the whole time. Like, oh, I have something. Oh, I want to say <laughs> it gets a little crazy, but that was definitely a lot of fun. It's also a testament to how fun that movie is and how much there is to talk about. Yeah. So <laughs> that movie's definitely, definitely underrated and not well known enough. So, yeah, check out Class of 1999 for sure. But in the meantime, thanks to everyone for tuning in to the Raised by Rentals program for our RBR original programming presentation. If you had fun with us, drop us a line on the socials, leave a comment, leave a rating, and let us know what you think we should improv off the dome next time. And with that, I'm Josh. I'm Mike. We have to return some videotapes. Oh, 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 oh,
Raised by Rentals is a member of the Rad Pantheon Network. Visit radpantheon.com to support Rad Stuff. The theme music is Forbidden Fruit by Velvet Bethany. You can purchase music and learn more at velvetbethany.com. All right, all right, look alive, people. 